Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you all this morning. And as we continue to worship together, uh, I'd ask that you turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Uh, if you have your scriptures with you, if you need a copy, we do have uh, copies of the Bible in the back. And it would be our gift to you if you need one and want to read it. We would love to give a Bible to you. Uh, the words will be on the screen as well as we read. Um, today is, a, is an exciting day as we continue to worship the Lord together. As we do every Sunday, we gather together and worship the Lord uh, through singing, through prayer, through reading of Scripture, uh, through communion, and through fellowship with one another. Uh, today is a different kind of Sunday. There are several uh, new folks here. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing, and I look forward to see how God is, is bringing together uh, multiple families uh, to build a family together. So it's an exciting time. If this is your first Sunday here with you, uh, with us, we are, we are so thankful and we are so excited uh, to have you here and look forward to building a friendship and a relationship with you uh, that would honor Jesus and help us all grow to be more like him, right? So uh, today's a good day and uh, we look forward uh, to many more days by God's grace uh, to come. So as you turn to Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 10, where we'll be today, let me uh, pray uh, before we dive into God's word. Father God in heaven, thank you, uh, Lord, that you are holy, that you are good. God, I thank you for your grace uh, to us. God, that you are a loving Father uh, who seeks to do uh, good for your glory and for the joy of your children. God, that by your grace you have uh, created us in your image, that by your grace you are rescuing us from sin and brokenness and restoring us uh, to be more like your son Jesus Uh, God, I thank you for this morning that we could gather together as your people uh, with each other uh, to sing your praises to you, to sing gospel truths over one another, uh, God, to worship you uh, as a family gathered together. Lord, now I pray that as we open your scriptures, I thank you that your Holy Spirit inspired these words to be written down and has preserved them for generations for our benefit today. And, And God, I ask now that your Holy Spirit would open our minds to understand your scriptures, open our hearts to receive this good news Uh, transform us to be more like your son Jesus and empower us to live lives of holiness for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Jesus would advance to the nations. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. This is God's word. Friends, it is the plan of God to gather his children, restoring their ultimate joy. In Christ, we are restored to our created purpose, and this is good news for us. Yesterday, downtown Augusta hosted over 5,000 runners for the Color Run, which is advertised as the happiest 5K on the planet. It's an untimed and 
non-competitive race. My wife and I and several of you were there. And every kilometer of this race, I mean, they give you white shirts, and uh, every kilometer they have a a color station set up. So as you're running, they throw a color at you, a little colored powder that stains your white shirt that they gave you for that purpose. So the first station is blue, and all these people are throwing blue powder at you, and you go to another one, there's red and orange and yellow. And as you run, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's festive. It's not competitive. There were people walking. There were people jogging. There were people sprinting. There were people walking dogs. There were people pushing strollers with babies. It was a fun time. Different runners at different paces, all with one goal in mind, to run through the course that was laid out before them, picking up every color along the way to get to the finish where there was a huge party. Music and t-shirt cannons and just stuff going everywhere. It was a lot of fun. And as I was running with my wife, I was thinking this is a great example of solidarity for the Christian life. Because you're having confidence to run the race that's been plotted out before you. Race that's, a race that's been laid out for your joy and the joy of others with you, running for a singular goal in mind that we all will attain along the way, picking up different colors so when we reach the finish, we all have the marks of what it means to be a color runner. And I was thinking of the scriptures today, of where we are in the book of Hebrews as we've seen the writer is laying out before us this, this race of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ himself spearheads for us, the ultimate goal to restore us to uh, intimacy with God, the, the glory that is God's that we are to reflect as being created in his image. I mean, last week we looked at, uh, at the beginning of, of Hebrews chapter 2, how we see that, that uh, man was, is created uh, to, to reflect the glory and honor of God, that, that creation is created to reflect God's glory and honor, but the, the fall and brokenness of sin and rebellion mars that for us, although that is still our created purpose. And then in Christ we are restored as mirrors that have been broken. We are, we are pieced back together to reflect the glory of God back to him and to each other. We see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 today, the writer says, It was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. You see, this tells us that in Christ all things exist. It's in Christ, by Christ, for Christ, that all of creation exists to begin with. And that in Christ, many sons should be brought to glory. That means that in Christ, who, who created everything, we are to be made holy, to be made more like Him, to reflect God's glory, that we are sons who have been adopted, sons and daughters, children who have been adopted into God's family because of the work of Christ and restored for our creative purpose of joy and reflecting God's goodness. See, this means we can trust who Jesus is. This means we can trust where Jesus is leading us together. This means we can trust who we are meant to be. This means that in Christ we have solidarity. Solidarity is expressed in a few different ways as we see in this passage. It's expressed in confidence, 
in Christ. It's expressed in communion with God and with each other. It's expressed in comfort in Christ and a commission with the gospel. So I want to look at a few of these things as we continue through the book of Hebrews to see that solidarity in Christ is marked by confidence, communion, comfort, and a commission with the gospel. So first look at the confidence we have in Christ. Verse 10 says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, And bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Down in verse 14 and 15 it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death who were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, Scripture tells us, that God's plan to deliver us from Satan, sin, and death, that God's plan to restore us as children, as sons of glory, involves Jesus' work on our behalf. This is not something we do. It's not something we can fix on our own. As, As broken image bearers, we cannot get ourselves cleaned up to do better and try harder to reflect God's glory. We just can't. And if you're here today trying to do better and try harder, I want to give you the the freedom to not. I want to give you the freedom to trust Christ's work on your behalf. Because Scripture tells us that Jesus is the one who created everything. I mean, everything exists by him, right? That's what verse 10 says, that, that for whom and by whom all things exist is the one who is the pioneer of our salvation, I mean, Scripture, your translation may say the founder of their salvation or the forerunner or the pioneer. That word there is like the image of of somebody who maybe is uh, climbing a mountain, like a team of people climbing a mountain. There's one guy who has to go up beforehand to notch out the the rock so you can get a good handhold and a good foothold. Or if you're a runner and, and you want to go run a race, somebody has to go before you to plot out the course for you. So for those of you who were doing the color run yesterday, I mean, we 5,000 people didn't just show up on Telfair Street and just take off running through the city. I mean, if we did, that would be like a crazy mob. That could be kind of fun, but none of us would know where to go. You would have people going down Telfair, down Green, down Ellis, up Walton Way, people going over the river in Edgefield. We wouldn't know where we were going, right? And, and, and we wouldn't know where to go to get the color splashed on our shirt, But see, here we know that Jesus is the pioneer, the front runner, the one who paves the way for us, who marks out the course of where we are to go to lead us from bondage to freedom, to lead us from suffering to joy, to lead us from brokenness to restored reflection of the glory of God. And this is good news. Because as Jesus is the forerunner, we know we can trust the path that he has plotted before us. If he is the pathfinder, we know that we can trust where he is leading us. We know that we can trust that along the way, no matter what happens, if it's hardship or good things, like color being thrown at you, you will be taking on what Christ has put in place for his glory and your good. And this is good news for us. You see, we often look for confidence Elsewhere, we often find confidence, maybe security in our job, maybe our status, maybe the money you have in the bank, maybe the relationships you have with somebody, maybe you find your fulfillment and confidence with who you're dating, or maybe who you're married to, or the family you come from, or the, or the tradition or, or culture. It could be good stuff. 
I mean, it could be the, the, the spiritual traditions that have been handed down to you. Those are good things, but at the end of the day, those are to point you to Christ because Christ is your confidence. At the end of the day, the, the good family maybe that you were raised in is to point you to Christ. Christ is your confidence. And often we find our confidence elsewhere. And when things are going well, we get puffed up in pride. When things are going poorly, we find ourselves battling fear and doubt, thinking, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be secure enough. I'm never going to have all the money that I need. I'm never going to have the status that I want. I'm never going to have the relationships that would give me confidence to be a better person. But at the end of the day, Jesus defeats those fears. Jesus defeats those doubts. Jesus defeats those pride, that pride and gives us confidence to follow him. So I want to ask you this today. As we look at what it means to have solidarity in Christ together, we know that first and foremost that's expressed by confidence, knowing that Jesus by whom and for whom all things exist, is bringing many sons to glory. And in so doing, we have confidence in him, not ourselves, not the good things, not the bad things, but we have confidence in Christ. So I want to ask you this today. What, what is the source of your confidence? I mean, any time we open Scripture, we don't want it just to be a time for your head to be filled with knowledge or, or, or you to be inspired just to do something, but rather we want you to have a moment where, where the Holy Spirit is, is churning within you a clear picture of, of who you are apart from Christ and who you are in Christ so that we could rely on Jesus in confidence. So, so I want to ask you that question. Where is where's the source of your confidence today? Is it your job? Is it your status? Is it your knowledge? Is it your good moral living? Along those lines, what fear and doubt do you have in your life, spiritually, maybe physically, relationally? And friends, I submit to you that Scripture makes it clear that in Christ, for whom and by whom all things exist, many sons are being brought to glory because he is the foundation of our salvation. And that's good news for us. But secondly, solidarity looks like this. Not only is it confidence in Christ, it's communion with God and each other, because look how the author pieces this together. I mean, the thing about Hebrews is it's like this one beautiful poetic letter. And so for us to break it down into sermons Sunday to Sunday over the course of the year it, it is it's pretty hard to do. So I hope you're piecing it all together in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And here we are a little more into chapter 2 that, that as we're laying out that our confidence in Christ, is our solidarity in Christ is expressed through confidence in Jesus but also communion with God and each other. Because look what happens in verse 11. I mean, Jesus is our, our founder, our front runner of our salvation, who suffers uh, like a runner forerunning before us, you know, spearheading the way. Verse 11, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Friends, this is really exciting. right? In Christ, we have communion with God. We have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. This is where the good news of Jesus being the front runner of our faith, the, the front runner of our salvation, who suffered on our behalf as a runner blazing the trail for us to follow, takes us from isolation to intimacy with God and each other. You see, first of all, with God, we see here that it says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. 
saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Brothers, friends, if Jesus is the Son of God, and he calls us brothers and sisters, what does that mean for us in relationship with God? He's our Father. Right? I mean, if Jesus is the Son of God and He looks at you and says, You're my brother. You're my sister. That means that you and I can call God our Father. This is good news for us, friends. I mean, in Christ, by Christ, we have a right relationship with God. God, our loving Father, our gracious Father, our Father who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, our Father who wants to rescue His wayward children and restore His sons to glory. That is good news. I mean, we are adopted by God in Christ. This is what I love, is this because we spend most of our lives wanting to, to get back to who we were, we were created to be and, and who we were created to be with. We have this internal spiritual daddy wound that we say, I want to be good enough to be with my daddy. I, I want to do right and perform well so my daddy will be proud of me. And we spend our lives trying to run this race as fast as we can and as hard as we can, saying, look, look how good I am, God. Look how smart I am. Look how nice I am. Look how generous I am. Look, look how smart and, and how spiritual I am. Look how, uh, look how much I, I do good things to impress you. And at the end of the day, God is saying, I'm your Father. Just, just rest in me. I mean, because Christ Jesus has run the race for us, before us on our behalf, saying, come run with me. But He does the, the hard work for us beforehand so that we can have confidence in Him and trust where He's leading us. But as we follow, we're not running because we want God to love us. We're running because He does love us. Right? Because He has accepted us. Because He has adopted us. Because Jesus calls us brothers and sisters means his work has already secured our adoption. Isn't that good news? I mean, that should free us up from the fear and doubt of saying, I don't think I can ever be righteous enough. Friends, you cannot be righteous enough. Apart from Jesus, no matter how good you are, you are subpar to God's standard. But the good news is Jesus, in verse 10, being the founder of our salvation, being the forerunner of our faith, has on our behalf run before us saying, I will be the perfect runner, I will be the perfect son, and these brothers and sisters of mine will just follow me. Like, I'm going to go ahead and win this race, and they're just going to run for fun. Right? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and, and blaze the trail and spearhead the course and go ahead and set up the party at the finish line. And as they run, we're going to throw some color at their shirts and get them all pretty looking. They're going to have fun. And at the end of the day, they, they get to the finish line. They may have a limp. They may have a cramp. But at the end of the day, they'll have this beautiful color on them and they'll have a lot of fun. And it's a big party, right? That's the good news. Because we have confidence in Jesus as the founder of our salvation means we have communion with God because we are adopted sons and daughters. But moreover, we also have communion with each other. And this is important because we can't miss this. You can't have communion with God and not with his people. 
You cannot say, I'm an adopted son of God, but I have nothing to do with my brothers and sisters. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who could have said that, and he didn't. And so if Jesus says, look, I'm the perfect son, but I'm going to call these my brothers, I mean, that's what it says here. See, Hebrews is quoting the book of Psalms here and says, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So if Jesus, who's the only one that could ever say, I'm the perfect son, I'm beating all these other punks out, and I can just blaze the trail on my own, But Jesus runs that race and says, I'm going to call my brothers into glory with me. How much more so should we, right? We have no right to think we can have communion with God apart from communion with our brothers and sisters. So the good news is that in Christ, our confidence, we have communion with God, we have communion with each other. In fact, the words that are used here, not only does he say of my brothers, but he says in the midst of the congregation. I love this word, not just because I'm a pastor and a church guy, but the word that's often translated congregation or church in Scripture is is the word ecclesia, which means gathered ones or called out ones. It means those who have been brought together for a specific purpose. That is who we are in Christ. We have been called out, we have been gathered as sons and daughters together brothers and sisters together with the purpose of glorifying God and sanctifying ourselves and others in Christ with the mission of this good news. So, stay with me here. Jesus is our forerunner. We have confidence in Him. Jesus being the founder of our faith gives us communion with God, our Father who has adopted us, and communion with each other as brothers and sisters with the purpose of sanctification. See, verse 11 says, He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. So it is the purpose, one of the purposes, that Jesus has rescued us is for our sanctification. Now the word sanctification means uh, to be set apart as holy or to be made holy or to be set apart for holy purposes. Right, the word sanctify uh, can mean something that, has, that is holy or is in process of being made holy or has been set apart for a holy purpose. It has this imagery of, of the Old Testament temple where there were different you know, utensils that were used for worship and they would say this thing is holy because we are setting it apart to be used for this purpose of worship and glorifying God and, and gathering God's people together. It would be like uh, having, having a, um, you know, a trumpet to sound to gather people in worship. And you say, this trumpet is sanctified, it's holy. It's been set apart for the holy purpose of, of uh, making this noise so that everybody will come and worship. And this is the purpose that Jesus has for us. He is the one who sets us apart as holy. He is the one who is making us in process of being made holy for a holy purpose. And this happens in the context of a community together. You with me? This happens in the context of a community together. You are not holy if you were in isolation You are in isolation all the time. If you 
I mean, I see this in, in religious circles. It breaks my heart. We all struggle with this as we say, well, I want to be holy. I want to be good. I want to be righteous. I want to be set apart for a holy purpose. That's why I'm never going to talk to anybody ever. Well, whoop de doo Go be holy on the mountain, and we'll all be over here. You know, I, Again, only Jesus is the one that could say that, but he didn't. Because it says, he who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified all have one origin. So Jesus is the forerunner, blazing the trail for us, is calling his brothers and sisters, sons and daughters being adopted by God to run this race with him and say, we have been set apart for a holy purpose. And that holy purpose is to reflect God's glory to each other, for each other's sanctification so that we could become more holy and also to reflect God's glory to a lost world. Like it's, it happens in community. You can't do it on your own. Holiness is a community project. Again, I'm going to talk about running because I like it and I still have color stains on my arm from the color run. Here's a great example. Yesterday, there were over 5,000 people running in the street and it was fun. And if you were to run that race by yourself and try to bypass all of the color stations, you would not get any cool color on your shirt. It's called the color run, people. You want to get color on your shirt. And see, the point was not only to see who could finish the fastest. The point was not to bypass the stations and not run with other people. The point was to, uh, to run through the color. In fact, those who ran slower got more color on them. What a great picture of growing in holiness in Christ, right? Hmm? You with me? Those who ran slower got more color on them. Imagine what would happen if as a community of believers, we didn't try to outdo each other with our theological knowledge or outdo each other with our performance-based servitude or whatever. What if we tried to gather together and run at a good pace, arm-in-arm, through the color stations and just dousing color on another, one another. I mean, because that's what, that's what it is. I mean, if we're growing in holiness, it's not just about your holiness, it's about our holiness. I mean, if you have been set apart for a holy purpose, part of your holy purpose is to reflect God's glory to your brother and sister in this room and other Christians that you know. Part of your purpose, we'll get to in a minute, is to reflect God's glory to those who don't yet know him. So that we can together, arm in arm, running through the streets with smiles on our faces, get doused in multicolored paint. So that when we get to the end of the party, there's a party together. Believe me, man, you get to the finish line, there were 5,000 people jumping and having a good time. There wasn't like one guy with a little like, you know, blowing a little horn. That was the color run. You know, it was, it was amazing. So in the same way, just like we're running a race, we run this race together. None of us are going to outrun Jesus. So just don't try. Rather, we run behind Jesus, following Jesus, following the path he's laid out before us, and every step of the way with one another, getting splashed with color for our holiness so that we can reflect God's glory to each other and to a lost and dying world. Again, it occurred to me, because I'm just going to keep talking about running and the gospel today. Solidarity in Christ 
gives us confidence. Solidarity in Christ gives us communion with God. Solidarity in Christ means we have communion with each other. I have to make this point clear. Solidarity in Christ doesn't mean that community is the source of our solidarity. Right? Community is not the source of our solidarity. This is not the source of our solidarity. This is the effect of our solidarity in Christ. You with me? Because if you look to community to be the source of your solidarity, you will be sorely disappointed. I will disappoint you. Jesus is a far better pastor than Jeremy. Communion with the bride of Christ is far better than community at redemption. Right? Or community at another church, or another church, or another church. You know what? There's over a thousand churches around here. Just go to every single one of them, and before you die, you'll figure it out. You'll say, you know what? (laughs) Solidarity is not in community. Community is effective solidarity in Christ. And it's something that I want more than anything for us to know. Because if you're running a race, which we are, and you're looking at the person next to you saying, I'm looking for you as the source of my solidarity, are you going to run into a tree are you going to trip? I tripped over a lady yesterday because because she, she was like, oops, I dropped a shirt. And I was like, oh, I didn't even see her. She was a few feet in front of me. And I was waving to somebody that I knew. I was like, hey, man. You know, you know, and I tripped over this, this lady. And it's a beautiful expression of what happens when we take our eyes off of Jesus, right? If you say, I want to worship Jesus, I'm going to look to you. You better do it for me. Right? I mean, I'm expecting you to give me something that only Jesus can give me. You don't deliver, I'm out. I'll just go to this person. You need to give me something that I need that only Jesus can give. You, oh, you, bro, you forget it. And you just go on and on and on. And so you, you go to all 5,000 runners realizing that everybody at some point is going to fail you. But the good news, we keep our eyes on Christ, the founder of our salvation. Communion with each other becomes an effect of solidarity in Christ. You with me? That makes me so happy. True community only happens when we keep focused on Christ. The second we take our eyes off of Christ, we're just going to be some other club that eventually will not be fun. Hmm? Eventually we'll outgrow the running club. Eventually we'll outgrow the you know, gaming club or whatever club you're in. Eventually you'll outgrow it. I don't want to see that happen here. So here we are together, a congregation of folks in this room today, many of whom this is your first time, and we're so glad you're here. And what we're wanting to say from the onset is we together collectively want to experience communion with God and communion with each other. We really do. But the only way that's going to be good is if we all together keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Right. All God's people said, Oh, that's beautiful. I don't often solicit for amens, but that was worth it. (laughs) So I want to ask you this question. What does communion with God look like for you? In what ways are you trying to have communion with God? Is it through your good works, through your good knowledge, whatever, good tradition? And let me just tell you to rest in the work of Jesus for you. He is the author of your faith. He is the founder of your salvation. Look to Christ and embrace communion with God. Secondly, what does communion together look like? And let me say, as we look around and say, I want to have communion with you, sir. I want to have communion with you, ma'am. I want to have communion with new couples and new families. And and I, I want to have this communion together, and I can't wait. And the only way it's going to be great is if we together look to Jesus, right? 
That's what I want more than anything for Redemption Church and this new upgraded form. (laughs) Moving along, we have confidence. We have communion with God and each other. We have comfort. That's another expression of solidarity in Christ. Verse 13, the writer of Hebrews, uh, you know, busts out, I will put my trust in him again. Behold, I will give uh, I and the children God has given me. He's quoting uh, the book of Isaiah. If you read the book of Isaiah, you know it was written during a time of exile and oppression, during a time of people seeking God's deliverance and comfort. This is the ongoing theme of Scripture, is that we experience personal brokenness, relational brokenness, political brokenness, physical brokenness. We need rescue. We need help. We need salvation. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our comfort. This is why Jesus comes along and says, you know, don't seek comfort in money. Don't seek comfort in status or pleasure or relationship. But rather, Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. You know, friends, it's not wrong to seek comfort. The problem is where we go to seek comfort. It's not wrong to say, I want to be comforted. I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I'm sad. I want to be comforted. Seek comfort. But have grace with where you seek it. We're not to seek comfort in money. We're not to seek comfort in pleasure. We're not to seek comfort in relationships and sin, idols. We seek our comfort in Christ. Solidarity in Christ means not only we have confidence in Christ or that we have communion with God and with each other, it means we have comfort in Christ together, and that is good news. So, as always, where are you seeking comfort today? And let me ask you to repent of that and believe the truth that in Christ you have true comfort. Fourth and finally, as we talk about solidarity in Christ, we know not only that our comfort and confidence is in Christ, that we have communion with God and with each other, but fourthly, we have a commission together. Because verse 11, again, back to sanctification. He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have one origin. The word sanctification means to be set apart for a holy purpose. Not that purpose for your comfort only, but that we may share uh, the comfort with which we are comforted. Second Corinthians says, we have been made holy and set apart for a holy purpose. You see, Hebrews 2 has told us that we were created for greatness, but that greatness is not our glory, it's for God's glory. That sin and rebellion and brokenness distorts God's created order for us, that we express it in selfishness or complacency, but Christ restores us to our created purpose to glorify God as worshiping missionaries in all areas of life. So to be sanctified, to be set apart as holy, as a congregation of adopted sons and daughters of God, those who are gathered together for a holy purpose, the holy purpose of sharing confidence in Jesus, of sharing comfort in Christ, that we are commissioned out to tell of the communion of God and the community together that we have 
First Peter 2, 9 says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, to have solidarity in Christ means we have been commissioned to proclaim this good news. How are you proclaiming it? Do you tell it to your spouse daily? I fail at that. Sometimes I forget to say, hey, wife, let me tell you some good news about Jesus. I forget. Sometimes. Just confession, repentance. Do you tell it to your children? How about your coworker, your neighbor, the fellow students who are struggling with identity and pleasure and security and what should I do and trying to find fulfillment in who they date? And what position they have on the football team or what their test scores are, what college they get into. Do you proclaim the excellencies of Jesus to them? Titus 2, 13-14, the Apostle Paul says this, waiting, We're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Friends, we are to do good works as a demonstration of the gospel. I mean, you have been set apart for a holy purpose to proclaim his excellencies and to do good works for the glory of God, for your ultimate joy, and that this good news would ripple out to the nations, starting in your marriage and family and home and neighborhood and city, state, world. You know, Jesus himself just said it this way in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. At Redemption Church, we sum it up this way. We want to be people who are leading people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. That's it. Because together... We want to keep our eyes on Christ, together being a community that is sanctified and being sanctified, that is holy and being used for holy purposes. We want to gather together like a group of runners saying together we want to not look off the course. We want to not look uh, just to each other for our comfort and confidence and whatever. We want to together, arm in arm, look to Christ run ahead at such a pace that we are again doused with color so that we will be turned and transformed into Christ's beautiful bride. So when we reach the finish line, there will be ultimate joy evermore. And along the way, as we run, we want to run with such uh, beauty and clumsiness that those on the sidelines say, man, look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing, taking many sons to glory, taking people from slavery to freedom, taking people from oppression to joy, taking people from isolation to communion with God, their Father, and communion with one another. Wow! The color run has nothing on the gospel, right? How do you think a gospel run would go down? Would that be fun? Hmm... In reality, it's awesome, right? In reality, each of you is a runner. In reality, we are running together as God's people. So as we have a time of reflection and response, I want to ask you this. Hebrews 2.10 says that in Christ all things exist, and that in Christ many sons and daughters are being, being, 
sorry, that in Christ, many sons and daughters are being brought to glory and made holy. This means we can trust who Christ is and where he's leading us together. This means we can trust who we are and who we are meant to be. This means that we have solidarity in Christ. That we have confidence, communion with God and each other. We have comfort in Christ. We have a commission to both proclaim and display this good news. And so friends, I want us together collectively to repent of not having solidarity in Christ. I want us to repent of finding our confidence elsewhere, of finding our community elsewhere, of not even having community, of not even saying, I value you as a fellow son and daughter of Christ. I mean, friends, let me just tell you, I, I'm actually, the older I get, the more of an introvert I am. I really am. I had to like, you know, there's a lot of new people here. I shook some hands and I had to step outside and take a breath. I was like, whew, whew. Hmm. I'm kind of an introvert the older I get. But let me tell you, it would be a disgrace if I did not get to know you as a fellow heir in Christ, right? As a brother and sister in Christ. Likewise, let's just get to know each other, man. I mean, in Christ, you are an adopted son of God. That's good news. In Christ, ladies, you are an adopted daughter of God. That means you are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. That's legit. And that's good news. It's good news that's worth sharing. It's good news that's worth sharing with our words and our action and community together. You with me? I'll pray. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. Got a time to meet new friends to start new relationships, to deepen existing relationships, got a time uh, to gather and look to you as the founder of our salvation, as the author of our faith. Jesus, you are the front runner in this race that you have laid out before us. Jesus, may we run with confidence, knowing that the, that the trail you blaze is a good one, that it is a God-ordained path. God, that through the hardships and failures, God, as we may fall and scrape our knee or we may trip over one another and get hurt in the process, God, that in the end, we, we, you lift us back up together. And God, may we run the race that's been set before us with joy, trusting that along the way you were splashing us with color to decorate your beautiful bride so that when we cross the finish, we will be beautiful and joyful together as adopted sons and daughters, princes and princesses in the kingdom. God, along the way, as we run, God, may we run with confidence in Christ. As we get hurt along the way, may we find our comfort in you, Jesus. May we know that we have communion with you, God, our Father, because of the work of your Son, Jesus, is a perfect runner on our behalf. And Jesus, may we have an intimate community with one another, uh, not because we find fulfillment in one another, but God, because we find fulfillment in you. God, may we not be distracted, but may we keep our eyes on you, Jesus. May we constantly be pointing each other to Jesus and looking to you, Jesus. When we get hurt, may we repent and forgive each other and look to you, Jesus. When we fail, may we repent, forgive, and look to you, Jesus. God, when we run well, may we not be puffed up in pride. May we be humbled and look to you, and praise you for your goodness. 
God, I thank you for who you have created us to be together as a community of believers that we call Redemption Church. God, at the end of the day, I pray that you would transform us to be more like you, Jesus. That we would be growing in joy, growing in faith, growing in holiness, that sanctification would be a beautiful example of your goodness. That we would be restored to reflecting your glory to each other and to a lost and broken world. God, give us wisdom with how to do that. Give us humility. Give us grace. As you comfort us, may we have, uh, take that comfort to each other and to those who are in need. God, in all things, I pray that you work out for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Jesus would advance. We thank you in his name. Amen.